Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. We've been gone a while, almost three months. It's the off season now, but in between that time, Walt Ham blew it all up at the trade deadline. We dealt away our two-time all-star who didn't want to leave Orlando. Cole Anthony had a solid rookie campaign, and I'm very glad we have RJ Hampton on our team. We finished the injury-plagued, which is an understatement to say the least, 72-game season, 21-51. and 51. But now Steve Clifford is gone in a mutual parting where Clifford likely wisely chose to walk away. So I don't know how much mutual it is when Steve wanted to leave. I guess when you're last year of your contract, a technically management could have forced them to, to stay, but not, not really. That's, that's never how that works out. But now there's a lot of hope riding on this June 22nd lottery next week where we have a 14% chance of getting the number one pick. Let's go. You can feel it in the streets on a day like this day. It feel like summer. I feel like summer. I feel like summer. So the last time we did a pod, it was two days before the trade deadline. So it's been a while, but uh, the Magic were decimated by injuries this uh, season that just concluded. Uh, we made drastic trades at the deadline that we'll get to uh, later in the pod. And the season from there just got ugly. Little fun, but very loss heavy to conclude the campaign. You know, we finished the season 21-51. I don't want to talk about the roster moving forward until we know what our draft pick situation is going to be next week. Uh, at this moment, I just want to focus on looking for a replacement for, for Steve Clifford, and then we'll kind of talk about the trade deadline trades. How's that sound, Penny? Looking forward to it. All right, so Steve Clifford is out. Uh, he bailed right a little before he, uh, he reached the age of 60 years old, so uh quick question for you because he's already been rumored to these three places but uh out of indiana portland or boston which of the three jobs do you think clifford makes most sense for or which of the three do you think will will he end up in and you can say none of them um but yeah i think aesthetically it makes the most sense for him to replace the bald white guy in indiana and just slide right in seamlessly there um, but also, I think, too, Indiana, in terms of uh, the ceiling for the roster um, and, and maybe the expectations for the city would probably also be the best fit, just in terms of, you know, you're expecting them to make the playoffs, but you're not expecting them to necessarily com- compete for a championship. And that seems to be the next kind of uh, segment in a team's evolution that Clifford would get tapped to, to head into. Yeah, I, I kind, I really want him to go to Portland because they could actually use a much better defensive mentality. Um, but they, they, they've got roster issues. Like I, I think Indiana's roster is really stable, and I mean they got, they're gonna have, they're gonna be much more healthier going into next season. They're gonna have a bit more continuity built, and you know, like you mentioned, like Clifford's gonna immediately be more likable than 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 Bjorkman was there. So um, he's not walking in a colossal prick anyway. So he's got that going for him. Um, I, 
because it's weird because Portland wants to interview D'Antoni from Brooklyn. I'm just like, you, you kind of already had like a good offensive guy in Stotts. Like, get some defense in there. So, um, yeah, just to be different, I think he'll actually, I think Clifford will actually get the Portland job. Uh, hopefully Lillard doesn't demand a trade out of there. Uh, I, I think they'll, they'll trade CJ McCollum to, cause that's pretty much the only option to really drastically change the team. Uh, but yeah, so it was a mutual parting between uh, Clifford and the magic. Uh, I, it's, I guess it's not really mutual when Steve is the one that technically wanted to walk away, but that's what they're calling it. Cause Steve did have one more year on his contract uh, you know, Josh Robbins doing some great reporting. The athletic is always mentioning kind of how Clifford came back from that, those few weeks off that he had uh, from the team, just like that, you know, Weltman gave the entire team a few weeks off to get away because right. it was a hellacious COVID-19 related season again. So, uh, and then Steve, when he came back, just decided he wanted out with that one year left on his contract. So they, you know, they let him out and, uh, you know, supposedly Weltham wanted to give Clifford a contract extension. There isn't any hard sources to that. That's just more speculation. But apparently both Jeff and John, you know, they both have one year left on their contracts. So I'm assuming uh, Weltman at least is going to get extended before uh, we get into the draft and before we get into, um, you know, the new, you know, the, the, the coaching hiring process really. But who knows? Uh, this franchise likes to do things quite differently. But uh, just quick, quickly, Steve was hired on my birthday back in 2018. He's going to leave Orlando with an ugly 96 and 131 uh, loss record in Orlando uh, as head coach for those three seasons. Um, you know, he got the magic in the playoffs those first two seasons, including a 42 and 40 record and our first division title since 2010. I think division titles matter. They count. And now that we've only had one in the past decade now, yeah, now they count extra. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, you know, 2019 was also our first postseason appearance since 2012, the state of Van Gundy, Dwight Howard uh, era where Clifford was uh, obviously part of the, uh, the same Van Gundy staff, but Clifford basically took the same team Frank Vogel failed with. We just, you know, with, with some, with some good health on our side, we, we won the division. Uh, Penny, are you surprised that Steve is gone? Um, yes and no. Just in, in terms of, I guess, to be fair, you never heard Clifford publicly buy into the, the hard uh, reboot of the team. But just in terms of everything else that was coming out, it did seem like there was alignment and people were at least talking themselves into having an experienced and and a coach that would hold people accountable which we clearly did not have during the first iteration of trying to rebuild from from Dwight Howard so it seemed like we were learning the lessons from the failed reboot um and now we'll have to do that with another coach um do you think he was actually going to be offered a contract extension or was our management going to say, Hey, write it out this final year? Because I, I think they were actually going to tell him to write it out for the year. I, I agree with you. I think, or, you know, may, maybe even maybe a lame duck, like a one year extension that really doesn't mean anything True. So to to your point. Um, obviously it's hard to, to command a locker room when, your own contract is hanging over your head and everybody knows it too. 
Um, I, I, I didn't bring this up to you before, but do you have a favorite assistant coach from the staff? And, and by assistant coaches, I'm going to leave it to the, the core that is Mike Batiste, Tyrone Corbin, Pat Delaney, Steve Hetzel, Bruce Kreutzer, and Dylan Murphy. Um, I'm a big magic fan and I don't know who Dylan Murphy is. So I'm going to say, uh, I, <laughs> don't worry. No, he hasn't been mentioned once by any podcast in the, you know, in the entire time that, that Clifford's been around. So, yeah. uh, um, I, I would go with Pat Delaney. Uh, I, I think that he's probably next in line on the staff, just in terms of, you know, potentially getting a, a head coaching gig at some point, uh, in the league. Um, and, and I think, Probably him and Steve Hetzel are, are right, right up there, one and two. Yeah, I, I'm gonna say Mike Batiste just because he, you know, he's a he's a Greek league leg, legend. Even if he did play for Panathinaikos, which is the uh, rival of Olympiacos, but uh, now, nah, but Batiste, they they had him on the Magic Pod Squad for an episode, and uh, you know, he's he definitely has a uh, a long coaching career ahead of him should he continue to pursue it. I think so. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes, but, um, you know, from a, from a, from a coaching regime kind of viewpoint, you know, Clifford with what he came into, which was basically still the dumpster fire of a franchise that, you know, even though, you know, Weltman and Hammond each were with the magic for a year, you know, they, they had inherited Frank Bogle and Clifford was their first actual coaching, you know, coaching hire as, as the front office guys and, you know, Clifford came in and there, there was a lot to fix and, you know, he, he got the most of what he had to work with. I think be injuries at all um, health and all uh, do you consider overall the Clifford coaching regime regime, a success or a failure Penny? Uh, I think you have to consider it a success, especially on the heels of Frank Vogel, who I think, the hiring was a success, right? That he was interested in the job and that we were able to land him. And yeah. he had cachet still, you know, coming from the Indiana teams that that performed well against everyone except LeBron James. But that was a catastrophic failure. Um, and to your point, with pretty much the same parts and pieces, Clifford was able to to navigate and shoehorn and and get uh you know a, a talent short a, a roster short on talent into the postseason and return the magic to respectability even to the point where um you know at the start of this season there was there was magic talk on um you know morning espn television mm-hmm. um and even kendrick perkins at the time was was positive so yeah, it, I, I don't. You know, I, I I refuse to take Edric Perkins' opinion for for any with any validity at this point. But that, that's that's a very good point. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, because you went from Scott. You know, look, I, I think I'm not surprised that Clifford left uh, because I just don't think it was worth it to him potentially risking his long term health, stressing over a rebuild. Um, also, he he did the rebuild already. In essence, like he got. He got us out of the misery of a rebuild into postseason, into the postseason. That's a small success right there. And, you know, having that experience of being on, on the Stan Van Gundy staff back in the uh, in better times, he know he knew what it was, what Orlando was like when this team was actually good. 
And he kind of got the got the roster to buy into that, you know, beat the veterans who'd never experienced playoff success or even, you know, some of the rookies. It's like Orlando obviously isn't known as a good sports town just because we inherit so many people from out of, out, you know, out of the city, out of state that have their own allegiances. But, you know, historically be it would be when you look at the mid nineties, when you look at, you know, the Dwight era, uh, you know, when you look at the first few years of the franchise, when we were absolute dog shit, um, you know, when, when you're bought in, when you bring the effort, when you look like you give a damn, this city does back you. It does happen. Like us diehards, we're not always the most vocal, but we're there. We, 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 we're there. We will back you. And Clifford brought that. that, that and so it, it sucks that again, he, he, that, he's leaving in that regard just because whatever new person we're going to bring in is likely not going to have any ties to, to Orlando, to past magic success. And some of that I think actually is needed when it comes to an NBA franchise, but we'll say I could be completely wrong. Bring bring in somebody completely brand new might work out, but I, you know, from, from a health perspective, I don't think Steve wanted to deal with the stress uh, of coaching a bunch of youngsters, knowing that the playoffs probably weren't nearby. Um, you know, coaching a losing team just sucks. Look what it did to Scott Skiles and Frank Vogel. Skiles bailed and Vogel looked absolutely miserable to the point where I thought he might actually have killed himself had he stuck around another year. Um, and then, you know, there you go. Vogel gets out and he, he wins a title with, you know, the Lakers and LeBron and Anthony Davis physically either. He had the hairline looked good. That's for, that's for sure. But no, he, he looked good physically and his morale is, is much better now than what it was when he was in Orlando. But I'd be surprised if Clifford isn't a head coach for another NBA team come the fall, because otherwise, if he's not, then him bailing on this franchise looks way worse in my mind. So I'm kind of I mean if he's not if he doesn't have a, a that job lined up I I don't know what that means for for what he thought of the front office then at that point but you know maybe I'm I'm looking at it a little too deep but um you know I, I wish Steve best of luck and you know I, I'll be hoping for for some success for him hopefully on a Western Conference team or something but um yeah we'll see so all right let's get into the coaching candidates so. The candidates from the last search, that 2018 search where we ended up getting Steve Clifford, uh, here's just some of the names that that were that were heavily talked about. So David Vanterpool, 48 years old, Damian Lillard's guy. You know, he moved from you know assistant in Portland to assistant in Minnesota with the new Timberwolves staff. Big Euroleague background, big player development background. I mean, Lillard McCollum seemed to really like him. Uh Kelvin Sampson, 65 years old, still coach at the University of Houston, just like he was back when he was rumored for the job. Uh, and then you have a couple more here. Ime Udoka, who's now 43, who's a Brooklyn Nets assistant, but he's from that Greg Popovich tree. Uh, so, you know, the Brooklyn Nets are in a series with Milwaukee right now, so I don't know if we could get permission to, to interview him if we wanted to, but... Um, also, I think he's dating Nia Long still. So I just shout out to, to him for that. Um, I, I love Nia Long in, in, in quite a lot of movies that I've seen because I'm a, you know, I'm a big movie guy. But um, and then the other guy was David Fisdale, he's 46 years old. Uh, he hasn't gotten a, a coaching job since, you know, the Knicks fired him back in 2019. Um, I guess from those four, do you like? Do, do you like any of those four options that I've, that I've mentioned as possible yeah. repeat 
candidates? I, I think uh, not to be too trendy, but um, and we'll get into more of this, you know, I'm sure. But I, I think Vanderpool is probably my pick of those four. And, um, you know, what a, a, a serious contender for me for um, awarding the job to. Yeah, I, I, I would, and we'll, we'll probably in our heads kind of come up with our own top three as I go through the newer candidates or the longer list of folks. But Vanderpool, I think, is in my top three as far as guys I would, I would like to see come in. He's, he's got some really good experience. He's, he's, he's still very young. Uh, you know, I consider under 50 very young from a head coaching perspective. But it's, it's kind of like, what do we want right now? Because we, we want a development guy. We want a guy that is okay losing at least this first year. Although, who knows, man, because we're – and I don't want to get too hard, too hard in the roster, but depending on what our pick situation is, depending on when and how they look when they come back, you know, Jonathan Isaac and, and Markel Fultz are, we, we could be in that hunt for the play-in, you know. But um, we'll, we'll get to that when, when the when pick when, – when we figure out what our draft pick situation is after next week. But, I mean, I like Vanderpool a lot. It's tough to really judge these guys, right? Because we don't, we don't, we're not in the interview process. You know, we don't see what ideas they have for the franchise, who they would bring in as their staff, because a staff is as important as anything almost, because, you know, you want as well a balanced staff as you can get as far as, you know, what your strengths are and then what your strengths are. You know, you really want to cover all your bases there. So, uh, and then, you know, guy, we, we know the history of guys like, say, Brian Shaw, who are horrendous interviewers, apparently, for, for these these coaching jobs. You know, it's it's tough to know unless you're in there actually doing the interviews. But from what I've seen, I like Vanderpool the most. I wouldn't be against Ime Odoka. I just think it's kind of too close of a Jacques Vaughn situation at that point. Yeah. Um, Jacques Vaughn is also on the Brooklyn Nets staff as well. Um, but it's I, – I don't know because – I don't want an older person. I don't want a person that's got a ton of head coaching experience at, at this point. I mean, a little bit of head coaching experience, so I'd be fine with, but I want a guy that can, that is known for player development that, and particularly, especially with guards that which Vanterpool definitely has that. Um, but let's go through the, through the other candidates here. Um, so is there anyone from the current, Clifford staff that you would actually be okay with, with getting the job, or do you just want to go with a kind of a clean slate? Cause we already mentioned him. I mean, the guy that's, that's mentioned most is Tyron Corbin, who's 58 years old. And I just am not a fan of, uh, of that. Um, I'd much rather go with a guy like Pat Delaney, Steve Hetzel, or hell, even Mike Batiste, although he's, he's, he's too green at, at this point. Well, yeah, I think, uh, what's best for everybody is probably a clean house and a fresh, fresh start at this point. Um, but it is interesting that all of the assistant coaches to, as of today are still employed. And obviously, you know, you need personnel around for conducting workouts and things of that nature. Um, but it, it would be interesting to see if there are any holdovers, especially if Clifford gets a job somewhere else. And, you know, he pretty much, he pretty much brought his entire Charlotte staff to Orlando with not a lot of changeover. Yeah. Um, as compared to like a Stan Van Gundy, who 
and granted Clifford is a head coach now, but in his both Detroit and New Orleans stops since Orlando has kind of shuffled the deck with uh, his assistant coaching pool. I think Bob Byers is the only one that stuck around. Yeah. But, um, and then actually before I get further to the newer ones. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'd rather go with, with somebody new. Uh, but any thoughts on Kelvin Sampson or David Fisdale? I'm a no on both. I'm a hell no on David Fisdale. I just, I don't like uh, his interactions as interacting with players from what I've seen. Uh, I also just kind of want to stay away from Miami heat guys in general. Uh, and also, I mean, he, yeah, he's, he's, he's been out, he's been on the sidelines during, um, you know, for the past two years, he, he's been out of the coaching game since then. You, you know, what's funny is I think both of us at the time were, uh, it was almost abhorrent that, that the magic were talking to Calvin Sampson. And part of that, I think, is uh, uh, years ago, there were potential, you know, some some legal or moral things going on there that yeah. uh, obviously time has passed now. Um, but he's done a hell of a job at Houston yes, in the college has. game, which is not the pro game, um, but also, you know, was, was successful as an assistant coach in the NBA prior to, prior to that. So, um, you know, hindsight is definitely different on um, at least bringing him in for the interview because he's certainly done well in his next stop. Um, Fisdale I'll talk about a little bit later um, as we talk about our preferred candidates. Uh, but I agree with you that there's something um, optically that doesn't look right with his, uh, with his interaction and gesticulation on the bench. Um, and then, I mean, with Samson for me, it, like I said, he's 65 years old. Like I, I really want to keep it like age 55 and under. I just think that just, you just, I, I need a more, uh, I need a person that's more likely to be energetic. And when you get to get folks that have been coached, you know, head coaches for, you know, 20, 30 years, you know, they, they they've kind of been set in their ways at that point. I know very rarely do you get a guy from college that that at the at the age at, at the age range that Samson is in where you know you're expecting something drastically different or successful. So that's that's kind of the other thing with that. But all right, I'm gonna throw it out there here out of the gate. But uh, what are your thoughts on a 49 year old Anthony Penny Hardaway? Because I understand the hate, I get it. You know, NBA stars rarely make great head coaches. But his path is entirely different from, say, a Steve Nash. All you got to do is look at, you know, the ESPN E60 piece that he did years back where he he didn't want anything to do with coaching. And then he gets into high school coaching to help out, you know, a, a close uh, friend that, that became ill. And then he gets really good at coaching. And now he's at his alma mater in Memphis. You know, when Penny was playing for them, they were Memphis State, but it's, it's, it's Memphis now. Uh, and it's probably two years too soon for him to get this magic job. But when I look at guys, you know, in the past, like Steve Kerr, Steve Nash, they succeeded a lot because of their assistant staff support as well. And so it's almost one of those things where, you know, Penny, you know, Penny's got the, got, got the history of being a star. You know, he was the Michael Jordan successor before Kobe. He was more close to the Michael Jordan successor than Grant Hill was, you know, Grant Hill was more closer to the, like a Magic Johnson than, than, than a Michael Jordan, you know, at that point. But healthy Penny Hardaway could easily won MVP in 1996 if Michael Jordan, you know, if the Bulls didn't win 72 games. Like that's how good Penny freaking was back then. And there's something to be said for a guy that, one, is a franchise legend. Now, obviously we know when it comes to the Mount Rushmore with Shaq, Penny, T-Mac, 
and Dwight, all of them vacated or left Orlando in really awful fashion, be it because of ownership, be it because of whoever was in place in the front office. Um, but, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, both parties, have, you know, Penny and, and the franchise uh, have made up since then, you know, back when I was actually covering the team and in the locker room and stuff, you know, I was there when they brought Penny back for that one legends night. And it's been pretty good since then. Um, you know, Penny's already come out uh, in a radio interview saying, you know, kind of all the right things about how he wants to stay with Memphis and he's, he's got a ways to go. And I mean, like I said, it's probably two or three years too soon. He, he needs to get Memphis, you know, into the tournament and show kind of some college success ideally, but if you got it, you got it. So with Penny, you know, he's obviously he's my favorite player of all time. And, you know, there's obviously some bias with that, but again, like, you know, it's probably two, three years too soon. Uh, but I, I, I still think if, if you got it as, as that persona, as that guy that can actually motivate people, because that's one of the things with Clifford is Clifford isn't, isn't known to be an actual motivator. He's a guy that gets you organized, that, get, that brings discipline. But if you, get, if you find that coach that can actually motivate you, that can just push your self-belief to a different level – that's something that very few coaches can actually do even nowadays in the NBA. And that's why if you can get the staff, the right staff around him, hell bring Mike Miller in, you know, get Daryl Armstrong from Dallas. He's been in, he's been with the Mavericks for, you know, a decade, you know, he just, if you can bring the right staff around him, I think it could actually work, but there's a fear to that to where, he could easily pick up two really bad losing seasons being magic head coach and his, you know, and, and things, things turn bad and he gets fired and that relationship gets worse again. And, and what's your thoughts on Penny, Penny? Uh, it's real interesting because, you know, we, I, I, I've coached uh, high school basketball, right. And you're talking about uh, a player who is obviously an all NBA talent, a superstar before injury, um, but also the, you know, the best years of his playing career were pretty much over after 1997. So everyone who's entering the league now is born 2000 after later. 2000, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. The one caveat to that is that he also has the little penny doll and the shoes, right? Yeah. So culturally, still relevant in a way that um i don't know like a jamal mashburn is not not that he was on the same level as penny hardaway no but he was he was a good player for that era no i get your point like just because you're you're a great basketball player doesn't mean that anybody coming into the league now knows anything about you to the point where it carries weight so it's interesting because i think his his persona and uh you know his image still does carry weight and resonates with with players, as evidenced by his ability to, um, you know, get by in, in high school and college in Memphis and and recruit those players to the school. So that that's good. Um, I I would be wary of not that college success is is a prerequisite to having success in the league because uh, you know. It, it hasn't been. I don't think there's really been any college coach that probably Brad Stevens is the only one with uh, real college success sustained. Yeah. And then, you know, some level of NBA success. 
Um, but I, I think it, it's just too soon, even if he had an offensive coordinator assistant and a defensive coordinator assistant. Um, I think he probably needs a couple more years of true head coaching experience to make that leap and to feel comfortable making that leap because yeah. there's still he's still in the homecoming phase of his stay at Memphis. That could turn in a year or two where people start to get antsy if they're not seeing tournament success. Um, and then it might make more sense to kind of graduate and, and move on to the NBA. Yeah. I, so yeah, I'm again, I'm not opposed to it. We both seem to make, we both think ideally he should wait a little bit and maybe he'll have to wait, you know, for maybe he'll be the right hire after this newest head coach gets hired. Who knows? We'll see. But I made that prediction in 2017 where I tweeted out where within 15 years, I said Penny was going to be a head coach for the Magic. So I got plenty of time to go there. I got about till 2032 to go on that. So, um, all right, I'm going to go a little quicker through some of the candidates. And I want you to just tell me yes or no as far as would you be all right with, with the hire, okay? Yep. Uh, a 51-year-old Sam Cassell. No. I'm also no. Uh, he, look, he's Doc Rivers' longtime assistant. That's great, but he's a Houston Rocket. And I, I, I was already – mad of when we had Mario Ellie as an assistant head coach and you know Sam Cassell as a head coach I I just can't do it I'm sorry he'll he'll have a chance somewhere else I think um all right Chauncey Billups 44 years old yes but don't think he'll come nope I don't want him uh also he he hasn't he can't really decide if he wants to be in the front office or if he wants to be a head coach I mean look Brad Stevens is going from head coach to front office so I guess you know that's not a big deal but also I mean you know, he's he was a he was a magic killer with the Detroit Detroit Pistons for about a decade. Uh, you know, he's currently a Clippers assistant head coach, but I just I'm not a Chauncey Billups guy. Um, I he'll he'll probably end up being co the coach for Boston. That that's my prediction right now. I think he gets the Boston job. All right, a 54 year old Kenny Atkinson. Yes, uh, I am also a strong yes. He got fucked over by brooklyn real hard uh he took what was what should have been an awful team and made them not just competitive but a playoff team and he's currently a, also a clippers assistant head coach um you want to talk a little bit more about kenny but I, i'm a yes on kenny he's probably in my top four as far as magic co uh, head coaching candidates uh i think the knock on him for brooklyn and brooklyn fans was kind of the tactical nature of his coaching and you know maybe some uh player rotations and x's and o's but to your point um he's made his name in player development uh, and certainly with the help of sean marks in the front office in brooklyn was part of a core group that instilled some sort of culture and improvement which led to them landing two superstars in free agency so you can't i don't think you can have any qualms about um, again, how he took that team from point A to point B. Okay. And as we're doing this, I kind of want you to think of your, like your top three or top four candidates you want after, after we go over this and, and, and let me know if there's somebody I haven't, I won't have mentioned by the end of this that you want to bring up, but all right. How about a 60 year old Brett Brown, former Sixers head coach? Uh, no, but with a caveat, which I will get to when we have a final rundown of candidates. Okay. Um, I mean, look, he can handle a tank. That's for sure. He, you know, he, 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 uh, he went from the bottom of the barrel with Philly and 
he he stuck it out for a long time with them. But uh, you know, and then he gave up as he was the head coach of the Australian national team. He gave up that gig in 2020. You know, when the Sixers fired him and during the you know the COVID nineteen postponement of the Olympics, which you know obviously we're you know we're in 2021, but we're we're also about to have the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. So he's he's free as far as I know. But uh, I, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I think Brett Brown. He like I said, it's very it's very hard for a lot of coaches to handle losing and. I remember covering, you know, the magic and, and being there when for Brett Brown's interviews pre post game and whatnot. Um, and the man just knew how to, how to handle himself. He knew how to handle losing and that's tough to do. Um, but at the same time, he, he was able to, to get a lot out of certain players. I thought now it didn't end up working out now that they're looking Philly's winning, looking to win the championship, but being where the Magic are right now, I wouldn't be heavily opposed to it. All right, how about a 63-year-old Terry Stotts? No. Uh, I am also with you on that. You know, my, my question would be why? Because Mark Stein threw out that rumor immediately after the – after I think, uh, you know, Stotts got fired and, like, Clifford, you know, walked away. But he should want to be on a, on a playoff team, like an established playoff. Like, he should want the Indiana job. You know, that, that's what he should want. But – um yeah i'm a no on on terry stotts good guy uh good coach i just i don't think that makes sense for him and yeah i just don't think it makes sense for him all right we're definitely gonna have a conversation here now uh a 44 year old becky hammond yes i am also a yes um again when we talk rick popovich tree there's there's some Jacques von ptsd there but uh, i consider becky hammond a much stronger uh head coaching candidate than Jacques Vaughn was at that when you look at the, at, at the timelines um both of them point guards in, in in their in their playing careers obviously Becky uh much much better uh women's point guard than Jack Jacques Vaughn was a men's point guard but um yeah I mean she she definitely better she's she's going to be interviewed that's already been revealed by the media that the magic are going to at least interview Becky which you know Becky Hammond which is great um but I'm a yes but you have to do it you have to do it for the right reasons you can't do it just to be like hey we've hired the first you know women's uh head coach in NBA history you know let's sell some tickets or like you have to do it for all the right, right reasons. You have to hire, you have to want to hire Becky, not because she's a woman, but you have to want to hire her because she brings a perspective that the majority of NBA coaches can't. And we've seen what she's done for, for, you know, for the, with the Spurs on pop staff, you know, we've seen what she's done when she's coaching, when she's been the head coach, you know, in summer league and, and, and whatnot. Um, and I just don't want her to be in a position where she's set up for failure because that that's the nightmare situation from, from a franchise perspective where this franchise already has some, some bad uh, baggage, bad history, bad just stuff to, to the to its name. And if you want, if you hire Becky Hammond, you have to do it for all the right reasons. Um, and you're much, the much more eloquent person than me. So I'm sure you can talk about, this better than me, but uh, you're, you said yes. But if you want to expand on your Becky Hammond thoughts, um, I think that she, uh, to your point again, because I think we're echoing a lot of the same things. Um, there's concern about 
making that move after having made the Jock Vaughn move, but I think it would be a totally different set of, set of circumstances and with totally different backgrounds, obviously. Um, I think that it's pretty clear that she has a fiery personality in a good point guard way. Oh yeah, um, she's competitive as fuck. I love it. And and that's a different personality than Jock Vaughn had for sure. Yeah. Um, so she's certainly been paying her dues uh, on the staff in San Antonio. Has had success um, in the summer league, which is its own animal, as you know. Oh yeah. Um, and and I think the 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 biggest thing is for any coach, right, is buy-in. At the end of the day, are they going to buy in to, to what you're selling? And I just think by virtue of her credentials as a player and now her credentials, um, you know, building the resume as an assistant coach, let, let's face it, Greg Popovich is the most revered coach in the NBA. Yeah. So to, to win over him and to win his trust, um, I think... I think that resonates with players across the league to where you have a, a little bit of a step up. And I also don't think that our front office and basketball operations people would make a move to make it a political move. You know, yeah. I think, in yeah. fact, I think they would make the move in spite of the fact that it would be considered a political move. Um, and if we're getting on the topic of gender equality and groundbreaking um, in, in professional sport, um, I, I think Becky Hammond probably deserves the opportunity to fail just as much as anybody else at this point. Damn right. That's very well said. So yeah, she's in my top three, um, uh, candidates. I, I, she, she's in there for sure. Um, she's going to get interviewed. We'll, we'll see, uh, from there, how, how, how that goes. All right. A 70 year old Mike D'Antoni. What do we think? Um, absolutely if he was interested and there's no way that he would be interested uh agreed uh jordan schultz of espn says he's rumored to 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 be tied to the magic uh, to have interest in the magic job kind of like with stats uh i'm like why um you know the the nets will offer him up for interviews after the playoffs so that could be a long wait anyway but again he's he's he deserves a chance to go for another championship with another team. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. All right. A 48 year old Jason kid. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, that is a strong fuck. No, for me as well. He is uh, on Frank Vogel's Lakers st staff as an assistant. Uh, just do a little searching, uh, be it Google or however you want to do some searching, but, uh, not known as a, as a good human being. Um, yeah, John Hammond hired him in Milwaukee and yeah, he kind of coaxed Giannis and to become a point guard, but it went bad and quite quickly with kid kid tried to wanted to overthrow him and, and, and the front office, like he wanted to be both the coach and the GM. So that was, uh, that got awkward real quick, but uh, I, I get it. He gave, uh, you know, Yanni the playing freedom that has helped make it make him, you know, multiple time MVP. But um, apparently the Magic have requested to interview Jason Kidd and we'll see how that goes, because uh, it was rumored that Portland wanted to interview Kidd and then their fans and some of the people in in that organization said, hell no, we don't want Jason Kidd. So uh, let's see if 
uh, the Magic fans and just Magic staff put up a big a, a fight like Portland did. My uh, my thought would be they it won't be as vocal, but uh, we'll see. So uh, if Jason Kidd becomes the head coach of the Magic, I don't know what I'll do. That's it's 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 not going to be good. I, I, that's that's I just I I that can't happen. Absolutely cannot happen. It's there's like there's a couple hell no candidates between him and like uh, you know Mark Jackson basically. So that's where I'm at with that. But all right, let's do a forty. Let's talk about a forty six year old Jerry Stackhouse. What do we think, Benny? Um, I I would say no, and uh, I don't have a good reason for it. Obviously, he did great work um, in Toronto mm-hmm. um, and has been fighting an uphill battle at Vanderbilt in the college game. Has a little bit of cachet, but that's um, I, I, that's that Jamal Mashburn vein, right? No one's going to yeah. remember Jerry Stackhouse as a player. They might remember Jerry Stackhouse as somebody punching someone on a charter flight, but... Oh, I didn't even remember that. Jesus. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I don't know if he moves the needle here in a way that we would need the needle moved. Okay. That, yeah. I, it, it's a, it's kind of a meh for me. Like he's, he's with Vanderbilt now. I'm sure Jeff Turner would, would be able to have some really strong input on, on his coaching job there. But yeah, I mean, he, he spent time with Toronto, both their G league team and on the actual Raptor staff. He was assistant with Memphis in, in the 2019 season as well. Um, I'm I'm kind of a no, but like I wouldn't be mad if he was like a finalist. I I, I don't have, I'm not strongly against it. But that's for sure. Because I mean, I've heard him on a couple podcasts, and I mean he he's he'd be a good candidate. But I just I prefer others over Jerry. That's like I wouldn't be opposed, but I'm just kind of meh on it. Yeah. All right, uh, a 61 year old Ettore Messina who uh, I, I will point out that I doubt he would want to leave Europe. He's been, he's with uh, Olympia Milano now, I believe uh, four-time EuroLeague uh, winner as coach. And he was on uh, Greg Popovich's staff, but your thoughts. Um, again, yes, but I think his, he's elevated uh, his star well above. He shines much brighter than where he would in Orlando. Yeah, I, I'm a no as well. I just I, th- I don't think it would make sense. Although that, I would be intrigued to see what he does with our offense, kind of on a D'Antoni level a little bit there too. But no, I'm a no on that. All right, how about a 48-year-old Juwan Howard? Who, uh, yeah, he was uh, f- with the Magic in that infamous 03-04 season that also broke Drew Gooden. Uh, he's now the head coach at the University of Michigan. He was a former Miami Heat player and assistant. I am a, a, a strong no on Juwan Howard. Yeah, I, I don't think it's the right time or place for him, and I will never forgive him for 2003, 2004. Um, I'm still traumatized. I predicted 50 wins that year. 50. <laughs> I think I was. I think we were too young to really do predictions, but I guess we. I guess we were. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I mean, we're both in high school, so I'm sure we were throwing out predictions, but. Uh, I mean, we we're coming off of, uh, uh, you know, I know we choked that 3-1 lead in the in the Piston series in 03, but, like, it, it was setting up to be a pretty good uh, pretty good next season. And, uh, no, Doc gets nope. fired real quick. And, uh, you know, we went one in, in 19, one in 20. And, uh, you know, 
we finally broke that 19 game losing streak in against Phoenix at the arena. And I was in there and I was there when Gordon Gierczyk was getting the MVP chance. Cause <laughs> it, it, it's a traumatizing season. So yeah, I'm going to know on Juwan Howard. It's he'll, he'll probably be like Eric Spolstra's successor or something one day for all I know, who knows, but uh, yeah. So I got a couple more, um, a 52 year old Daryl Armstrong, because he's been brought up on Twitter. What do we, what do we think? Um, no. Yeah. I, I just, I, I doubt it. He's look, he's been with the Mavs for a dozen years. He's one of those, he's one of those guys, great assistant head coach. There's everything that I've read and seen great assistant head coach. I just, I don't think, the head jobs for him. I don't know if you got any further thoughts on that. Um, well, I would say like three three points. One, he's firmly entrenched in Dallas. Two, um, the parting with the Magic was not on the best of terms, although no. now he has been honored by the organization, which is good. Yes. And finally, he has not um, moved up the ranks in Dallas, either uh, by dent of his want to or capacity to, he's still a second row assistant um, and primarily in player development, which is obviously, you know, there's a gulf between player development and head coaching duties. Okay. Three more 58 year old Patrick Ewing. No, I'm a no as well. Georgetown is the perfect uh, spot for him. Don't keep him at Georgetown. Uh, A 59 year old Jay Wright. I was surprised he was 59, but he's been a Villanova for 20 years. Um. Yes, but there's no way that he would be interested. Um, yeah, I th- maybe maybe there's interest there, but I, I don't know. I, I I just I don't think it's it's a good fit. I'm with you there. And the last one I got because he popped up online as well. A uh, 47 year old Dave Yeager, who is now uh, is currently a uh, 76ers assistant head coach. That's an interesting name. Um, and I have him again as part of a list that I'd like to talk about at the end, but my answer is no. Okay. Well, we're at the end. So if you got any other ones, feel free to throw them at me. I, I, well, as we get to our selected top candidates, I would just say that all of those candidates, um, with the exception of Mr. Kenny Atkinson would be first time head coaches. And I think it would be most appropriate to pair them with someone with previous head coaching experience. And as the lead assistant, I like a Dave Yeager. I like a a Larry Drew. I like a Maurice Cheeks. Um, If possible, a Brett Brown or even a David Fisdale on the staff. Um, And that's where I would like them to cap out. Okay. Any other thoughts? That's do you I have a top three? Do you have a top three or top four out of all out of all these folks we mentioned? I'm going to give you my top three, and it's not going to be groundbreaking. So then I will ask for yours, and also ask a follow up question. <laughs> okay. Um, the my my number one candidate is Kenny Atkinson. I think David Vanderpool is number two, and Becky Hammond is number three for me. And I know all of those are heavy in the news and easy selections to make. So how does your list differ from mine? And what are the odds that the magic hire one of those three or one of the most publicized names as opposed to a total wild card and somebody that no one could possibly conceive of? Oof. So we're pretty close. Uh, I have a top four. Um, so I have, I got David Vanderpool as my number one guy. I think we need to kind of factor in guys that Weltham previously interviewed and he's, he's one of those guys. So I think he was close enough there at the start that 
now I, I think, I think, I think he's going to be the guy I, I do. I think it's going to be Vanderpool. Um, whether that means maybe Damian Lillard is going to want to get traded here, or maybe we get CJ McCollum here. I don't know, but uh, that, that shouldn't matter. That shouldn't factor in. Uh, I think he's one. Two is Becky Hammond for me. Um, we, we already talked about how she's more than qualified for it. And she brings a, a, a voice that few of these other candidates have. And then three, I actually have Penny Hardaway three. Uh, and then I have Kenny Atkinson fourth. That's the, those are my top four. Now, do I think Weltham come out with a complete wild card that we haven't mentioned? I don't think so. I think it's going to be, I, I don't think it's going to necessarily be because be anyone from the national media that the national media is thrown out there because I mean, no one's mentioned Vanterpool. Um, you know, they mentioned Hammond was going to get a, a job, you know, an interview uh, with the Magic. Uh, I think Wojnarowski reported that. Um, but I, I don't think we're going to get anyone out of left field. I think it's going to be someone that we just talked about here on this podcast. And I actually think it's going to be someone from our, from our top four list. I, I'm pretty confident in that actually. What, what are your thoughts? I think it's 50, 50, right? Oh, gonna, that's a cop out. Give me gonna, a different percentage. Give me a different you're percentage. Gonna, Come on. I, no, I think, I, I think 60% mainstream candidate and 40% chance that they hire a, enterprising young mind from division three basketball <laughs> oh man maybe it's gonna be shaka smart who knows um maybe. all right so okay so whoever we hire i think it should be after the june 22nd draft lottery but probably before like the fourth of july well that's because that's when draft preparations really kind of pick up where we're getting private workouts and flying people in and out um, and doing the, the real intimate interviews and kind of showing them like the town and taking them to restaurants and, uh, we'll be on restaurant and airplane watch, I guess. But, uh, you know, the draft night is July 29th, you know, COVID-19 has pushed everything back draft nights, July 29th, the Chicago draft combine actually starts a day before the draft lottery. It goes from June 21st to the 22nd to the 27th, sorry, 21 to 27. Uh, again, it's a little weird timing wise because Jeff draft lottery is on the 22nd. Ideally you want, uh, your coaching staff as well as your front office and your scouts, uh, at at least some of them at the draft combine. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see, but, um, yeah, I don't know if you got any, if you agree with kind of my thoughts with when the next person should be hired or if you don't think it matters. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's imperative to have the full team together in terms of coaching staff and be fully aligned with the front office in advance of those dates, um, to present a united front and start kind of building what, whatever this next culture and iteration of culture is going to be for, for the organization. Okay. We're going to talk, uh, we're going to shift gears. We're going to shift back, uh, back, uh, to the past a little bit, the, uh, the March, uh, 25th trade deadline. Cause, um, I'm going to ask you a question in a second, but I, I still, I, I would like to know from, uh, Jeff Weltman and John Hammond did, uh, Nikola Vucevic ask or demand for a trade because if not, you know, what message are you giving the league and future NBA players when you have, 
a multi-time all-star that wanted to stay here? You know, what kind of culture is that? That's, you know, draft picks and a, and a, a package is nice, but um, I just kind of think with dealing Vooch, they kind of lost perspective in what, what you kind of want to build. Um, you know, unless you're getting a bona fide all-star back, I just, I didn't, I don't agree with the Vooch trade. Um, you and I both have, are, uh, have a strong, have strong sourcing that uh, Vooch actually did not want to be traded from Orlando, despite the, uh, the contrary reporting from, uh, from the media. He did not want to be traded from Orlando, but uh, when that got presented, then it's like, okay, they'll, you know, they'll send Vooch to a playoff team or, or a perceived playoff team because Billy Donovan's a shitty head coach and he couldn't figure it out. But, um, and also Zach Levine had the COVID-19 uh, positive test that kept him out and really screwed Chicago in the, in the playoff hunt. But um, yeah, it, it's, which of the three trades did you like the most Penny? And you might like the Vooch trade the most that that's fine. You're allowed to do that. But which of the three trades of, you know, from Aaron Gordon, Evan Forney and Vooch did you actually like the most? Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens come lottery night. But in in hindsight, the return on the Vucevic trade um, is the, I, I think to me, is the best one right now pending how lottery balls fall. So let um, me break that down real quick. So by the so you had it as your first i have it in the middle of second because by default it's it's better than the fournier trade because we basically got nothing for fournier but uh you know the vooch deal actually happened first out of all three that trade deadline morning uh you know it was vooch and al farouk amino uh out the door for wendell carter jr Otto porter jr's massive 28 million dollar expiring contract because he obviously didn't play much with us here in orlando and then uh hope hopefully uh, this 2021 protected first round pick, and then also a 2023 uh, protected first round pick. And you may continue your Vooch trade thoughts. Yeah, I uh, certainly was not happy to see him go and thought that there was a way to keep him in the fold and still add lottery talent and continue to grow without hitting the hard reset button. Um, but once you make that move and once you decide to tear it down all the way to the studs um, or to the empty cabinet, we have no studs here. Um, the, I think the hall ended up, be, ended up surpassing um, what we anticipated it being on trade day um, and could even you know, ex- exceed that um, depending on how we use the assets. Yeah, uh, luck definitely played a factor in how this Vooch trade is, is is looking like right now. I mean, look, look, all credit to Wendell Carter Jr. He's actually played pretty well in a Magic jersey, no, no doubt. Um, he's had injury issues, and he stayed fairly healthy up until you know the final few weeks. Um, but you know, Chicago won that coin flip. You know, where they have technically the eighth best odds at getting the number one pick. Um, you know, they, they've won the tiebreaker between Sacramento themselves and, and, and New Orleans. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's around 4.5% chance at the number one pick. Uh, the Magic finishing with the third worst record in the NBA. They, uh, they have a similar 14% odds at the number one pick, uh, just like Houston and Detroit do. But again, it's only a 52.1% chance that you end up in the top four. 
So it's uh, it, it's going to be uh, sweaty palms come next week. Um, and look, if the Magic end up keeping that Chicago pick, be it at eight, nine, ten, awesome. Uh, you know that that's that's that that's going to help, especially if you know the Magic don't end up with the number one pick. Maybe they'll use that Chicago pick as as a trade chip to move up because. Uh, I want Kate Cunningham really bad. And we'll, I mean, we'll, we won't talk, we'll go deep into the draft stuff, bro. But, um, you know, I was real happy. We got rid of Alfred Camino. That was a big win. I mean, between Aminu being out and then Gary Clark being out, uh, you know, in the Denver trade, uh, you know, we got, we got rid of uh, people. We, we definitely were happy to get rid of. Um, but it's just surprising that, you know, Vooch played, awesome in chicago i mean he was shooting it well he, he you could argue he actually needed more shots but it just didn't happen and then you know they lost uh levine for a couple of weeks and that they couldn't even make it into the play-in game which is kind of crazy because when the trade happened i really thought chicago was going to finish like fourth or sixth in the east i mean you look at the knicks finishing fourth in the east and it honestly could have been chicago but um they had a rough second half uh schedule and maybe that factored into how they thought the draft pick was going to was going to convey potentially but just as a very quick aside do you yep. think that scott brooks salvaged his job by getting washington into the playoffs surpassing chicago which i don't think any of us thought was going to happen i think so why you want scott brooks i i do not Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he's not an option, but I, I think, think he, he did salvage yeah. his job, but I mean, the wizards, they, they got Ross, they, you know, they, they need some help. And I mean, look, Westbrook stayed healthy or getting healthy really helped them a ton. And like this, this is a, this is a you weird want to talk season. about how shitty co- uh, coach Billy Donovan is. There's your fucking, <laughs> <laughs> I think I like, I still, I think I'd take Scott Brooks over Billy Donovan. Yeah. I really would, but there's, you know, I'm a little biased on that as well, but, uh, you know, it's yeah. So let's talk about my favorite trade of the three was actually the Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark to Denver trade for RJ Hampton, Gary Harris, and a 2025 protected first round pick Denver made it to the second round, not having, you know, Jamal Murray getting hurt really, really was that, you know, took him down. But I mean, I love RJ Hampton. RJ got picked 24th, uh, but he was the guy I wanted the magic to pick at 16 instead of Cole Anthony. So I, and I mean, in his, in his few months with the magic, he RJ's looked awesome. You know, he missed that full month you know, uh, with Denver possibly because Michael Porter Jr. Gave it, gave him COVID-19 back in February. He missed the full month. Um, he got COVID-19 that's for sure. Uh, and that, that, that affected him through the all-star break. He plays one game for Denver and then he gets dealt to the magic. And he just, he didn't have much time to play. He wasn't playing those first few months with Mike Malone and he started playing because Denver was picking up some injuries. Then he got COVID and he just really didn't have much, much of a chance to showcase, you know, showcase himself. And um, that kid, I think is going to be awesome. And we saw Aaron Gordon did not uh, do what he said he would do in Denver, at least offensively. And defensively he was, you know, himself, but offensively he needed to step up and, and, and he just didn't. He, he, I think he scored, now that the, you know, I think he only scored in double figures once in in that sweep uh, you know, that they just suffered, uh, and uh, it's you know Aaron Gordon's going to be a free agent in a year, and he it it looks like a, an awesome trade. That's that that's what that's how I view it. 
Um, you know, RJ Hampton wins Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month in the season in May. You know, he became the seventh Magic player to ever win a monthly rookie award, so he's got that going for him. You know, Gary Harris, he's got one more left, one more year left on his deal next season at twenty million dollars, and sort of uh, found a shot with the Magic by the end of the season. I mean, he needs to find health because he's he's a pretty good, great, you know, solid defender, and he's a good vet. I, you know, I think he's a better veteran than you know, say Terrence Ross in my eyes. You know, if I got to pick between the two, I'd rather have Gary Harris than T. Ross, but that's me. Um, and then. You know, AG had publicly stated he wanted to be traded and he ended up getting his wish. And like I said, if, I, I, I've been saying it for about a year. If Aaron Gordon wanted to stay on the Magic, then cool, stick around. But he didn't want to stick around with the Magic. He got traded and I thought that was an awesome trade at, at the end. It's it definitely it's definitely working out so far. Your thoughts? Yeah, um, I, I think the turn for Aaron Gordon was certainly substantial. Um RJ Hampton, we don't know what exactly he will become, but he's one of the best people to take a flyer on because he's, uh, well, first of all, he's clearly intelligent. Um, he, he got uh, seasoned in New Zealand um, and he's a gym rat and a worker, right? So those are the ones that you bet on in the same way that you bet on a Cole Anthony. Um, and the best of the best will succeed in the backcourt over time which is good. There's going to be inherent competition there. Um, Gary Harris was a favorite of Steve Clifford. So I think there's an important role for him to play moving forward in terms of veteran leadership, both in the locker room and on the floor. Um, and then can, you know, value will increase perhaps towards the second half of next season, depending on where things stand in terms of, um, flipping him to, to a contender in need of what, you know, three and D. Um, and beyond that, there's draft considerations as well. Um, the only negative from the trade is that we got rid of uh, Gary Clark. So we had to try and tank a little harder. <laughs> that's, that's, that is true. Oh man. But, uh, and then, yeah, the third, the third trade, I think it was the worst trade, which was Evan Forney to Boston for two future second round picks and Jeff Teague's body that would wave and now have a $17 million trade exemption that doesn't expire until March 25th of 2022. So maybe we'll do some of that $17 million exception. We'll see. Um, I, I can't see it right now when you're kind of in a rebuild, but just depends on what what the vision is and after that but you know Fournier's agent said before the deadline that you know he Evan likely wasn't resigning with us which was not shocking um I just thought this trade came at least one year too late uh, and you know we just basically got table scraps but you know Evan disappointed with Boston and yet another postseason opportunity and he's looking for someone to give him 20 million dollars per year this offseason so good luck with that probably going to be like the Knicks or Sacramento or you're not getting 20 million. I like his odds more than I like Victor Oladipo's odds. Uh, yeah. Uh, Oladipo got battered with injuries again, so it's not looking good for him, but uh, we're, we're almost wrapping up here, but just kind of, I had a few brief thoughts, but you know, with Clifford gone, it's probably bad news for guys like Dwayne Bacon and Michael Carter Williams uh, guys who, you know, Dwayne Bacon, he started, he starts 50 games and plays every single game this season of the 72 game season. And magic fans want to rip him when he should have been like the 13 or 14th guy for the team. 
similar to Michael Carter Williams, but because of injury, those guys both had to play a lot. And I mean, MCW got hurt a lot himself. Um, you know, I still hate that we dumped Kareem Mane. He, he needed time to develop and maybe we'll see him again in the future. Who knows? But it was a situation where we had 28, should have been 29 different uh, Magic players this season, but the Admiral Schofield thing fell through. Uh, and then you wonder if guys like Devin Kennedy, who supposedly he's going to be healthy by the fall, which it, I, I, you know, seeing what happened to his leg, I, man, if he's healthy by the fall, good for him. And then guys like Robert Franks or Dante Hall, who, you know, all played fairly well for us. You wonder if they get chances for us, be it summer league training camp or, you know, maybe in Lakeland next season, we'll see, but we'll talk about the roster after a lottery when we know our pick situations. Penny, do you have uh, any lottery predictions? You know, are, are we going to end up with two picks? Are we going to end with one? You want to predict uh, where we end up picking? Do you want to guess on who the magic as a team are going to send to the draft lottery? Is, is Pat Williams done? Are we going to send Jonathan Isaac? What, what, what do you think? Uh, my guess. Well, first of all, are they going to do it? via zoom like are we going to send representatives i i think jonathan isaac will be the figurehead for the magic and uh somebody who who gets the unlucky task of going back into the room probably like a joel glass or it's something. usually joel and and yeah. it, i mean it's it it's usually joel uh could be george galanti but it's probably going to be joel uh which is fine and then Here's, here's my pick selection. Yeah. And you, you tell me how far off I am. I think we get number three and number eight. That's a pretty good situation, honestly, because you can take three and eight and move up to two. I, I think you can do it. Like the, the key is you want to be in that top four because supposedly there's four really awesome guys in the draft. Um, I don't want Evan Mobley. We'll talk about that again, different on another episode, but um you know, if I can't get Cade Cunningham, I'd really like to get Jalen Green. I'd rather stay away from Suggs, and I definitely don't want Evan Mobley. But again, we'll talk about that another day. So my, so I think we'll send. We're also sending Jonathan Isaac. Uh, I don't. I think they'll do him in person. I think you know they'll make it so that everybody that's in the room's been vaccinated. Um, yeah, I think it'll be Ji. But uh, I have a uh, a negative thought in my head, and Bro. I'd love to be proven wrong. But I think the Magic end up with six. Uh, and I think uh, both Chicago and Toronto move up into the top four. That's, oh, Jesus Christ. No. Um, so, hey, if if it ends up better than that, then I'm golden because I, 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 I just think that our front office fucked up by trading Vooch. I really do. I think it's, a, it's a, just a karma thing where we got rid of a guy who actually wanted to be here and – there's no better culture guy. There's no better, you know, veteran guy than a guy who's a two-time all-star that's been with the franchise for a decade. Like the man wanted to be Dirk Nowitzki here. And we just, we, you know, he wanted to be Tim Duncan here. And we just, we, we didn't do it. And it, it, you know, he easily, his contract's up in what, two years and hell, maybe, maybe we'll bring him back. And that, that'd be awesome if we did that. But uh, you know, it, he, you could have tanked with him as the starting center. I mean, God, God knows when we were playing with seven healthy bodies that it was hard enough to win games, you know, and it, it's, it's one of those where I don't want to depend on Terrence Ross as a culture guy. Do you Penny? I do not. It's like, so what, this, what are we doing? Ter here? Terrence Ross, uh, 
crying about getting insurance to replace a car that he's going to get replaced anyway for hours. Yeah, it's, I just, and I don't need a conspiracy theory guy. Like he had RJ Hampton on and like, I don't need you fucking talking about conspiracy theories. I like, I, I want you to focus on stuff that's not complete crap. Like, I'm sorry. So I hope T Ross gets traded. I don't know why he didn't get traded at the deadline, but he hopes, I hope he gets traded on draft night and we'll go from there. But um, you got any thoughts at the end? Of, I, I, again, grim that I've got us picking six and not, and not keeping the Chicago pick. Um, but that's, that's how I view it. Cause it is, it's literally a crapshoot. You know, the lottery odd stuff has shifted, you know, they changed it two years ago back in 2019. So we've, we've, you know, we were a playoff team the last two drafts that they did. So we haven't experienced this new, these new lottery odds, but there's going to be chaos. I think when, when, when New Orleans got the number one pick for, for Zion, I think they, they had the eighth best odds. So, you know, Chicago's also got the eighth best odds, but like I said, I think Toronto's got the seventh best odds. I got both Toronto and Chicago moving up again. I got us picking six and I hope I'm wrong. I hope we end up with the number one pick and the number eight pick or hell if Chicago moves up, I don't care if I, if magic get the number one pick, I don't care. So, um, yeah, that's that's all that's all I got for that. And we appreciate you listening to another episode of the podcast. Uh, please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? I'm going to say too. It's at Spencer Strode. Go ahead and tweet us if you're still listening. Um, if you tweet us the picks that the Magic actually receive in the draft lottery, I will fund a, a prize, be it a NBA Top Shot moment oh. or cash prize or, or merchant Magic memorabilia. We'll put a prize out there for you. So uh, go ahead and tweet both of us with uh, what you think the Magic are going to get pick-wise. And if you're right, you will win a prize. All right. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. So uh, what I'm going to do, so what, as like Penny said, then you have to tweet at both of us. Uh, so I'll probably put our Twitter handles when I post the podcast. But, um, you know, with that, go magic, take care, and just win the lottery. I feel like I'm seven billion souls.